Thanks, Christelle, and, and good morning, uh, Redeemer family. Uh, my name's Morgan Renew. I'm one of the pastors here, and, and it's my privilege to, uh, to bring this next part of God's Word to us. Uh, Jesus calls us in, in this text to not judge by appearances, but to make a right judgment. And in doing that, he's asking us to see ourselves clearly and to see him clearly. I think uh, this passage helps us to do that, so I'm going to pray that God would do that right now. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Uh, thank you that he came uh, revealing your glory full of grace and truth. We do pray that this morning every one of us, no matter where we're at, no matter where we are headed, we pray that we would judge rightly. We would see Jesus clearly. And we pray that we would respond rightly. It's in Jesus' good and great name that we pray. Amen. Well, brothers, sisters, uh, guests, uh, where are you headed and what is your story? It feels like for 18 months, many of our lives have been sort of on pause in many ways. We might have been headed somewhere, working towards something, but COVID meant that we pressed pause and we just had to get by. Uh, but recently, things have been restarting. Our kids have been going back to school. Our work has been getting busy again. People are returning from holidays. Feels like we're pressing play again, but as we begin moving, where is it that we are going? Uh, where are we trying to get? For some people, like their story is the story of trying to become rich and famous. Well, some of us might sort of like the idea of that. I think our, most of our ambition is maybe a bit more, uh, more realistic. I think some of us, we're, we're just trying to be happy. We want us, our family, to be happy. Uh, maybe we're working to, to just be secure. We want us, our family, uh, to, to have a secure life. We might have come from somewhere where we weren't secure. We didn't know where our next meal was coming from. And we didn't know what tomorrow held. And wherever it is, whatever it takes, we want security for ourselves and our family. It could be that we want better opportunities. Uh, wherever that takes us, whatever that takes, we want better opportunities. And in all of those purposes, uh, Jesus can often be a part of it. Oh, some people use Jesus like a, a good luck charm uh, to help them be rich and famous. Uh, they hope that actually with him on their side, then they'll get lucky, they will get rich. Uh, but I think we can know that Jesus isn't just a, a, luck, a good luck charm, but know that actually he loves to be a part of our lives, to know that he cares about the big and the small. He calls us to cast all our anxieties, all our needs on him. So in our, our longing to, to live a happy life or a secure life or to provide opportunities for our family, it's a joy to know that Jesus is with us. Jesus answers our prayers, uh, that Jesus cares. And I think for, for many of us, again, our lives aren't just about ourselves. It's not just about our family. Lots of us want to make a difference and make a difference for Jesus. Your life could be about making a difference. You might have been gifted in a particular way, have a particular burden on your heart, a change you want to make in the world. 
You could have a real heart for people to know Jesus. Uh, you could have, have a vision of seeing people come to know Jesus, of people growing in joy as they follow Jesus. Uh, you could desire, you could long, you could be putting everything you have towards having a, a godly family. Saying if you have nothing else, you just want to have a family who, who fears the Lord, who can worship him together. These, these are such good ambitions. Yet sometimes this can become what defines our lives. Making a difference, successful ministry, godly family, happiness, security. And it can work if it feels like Jesus is helping us do these things. As long as we are successful, as long as we are healthy, as long as our children seem to have better opportunities than us. But what happens when following Jesus actually makes these things hard? When we lose our job or our health? When that ministry we're working hard to, to build seems to be shrinking? Well, that can make us ask some hard questions. What is Jesus doing? Is what Jesus is doing good? To make some people question whether he's, he's really there. Well, in today's passage, we're going to meet people with all kinds of hopes and ambitions. They've got all kinds of stories, and they think that Jesus is going to fit in perfectly. We'll meet people who are very positive about Jesus. They've got great hopes for Jesus, yet they're not seeing him rightly. They're not judging him rightly because they're trying to fit him into their story instead of joining his. They're trying to fit Jesus into their story instead of joining in his. Because Jesus is going somewhere. Jesus does have a great purpose. And we'll see that's a good purpose. It leads to our salvation. And it's a purpose that he calls us to join. So let's look here at, at our passage, where we firstly see that Jesus works in his own time, from verse 1 to 9. Uh, we're told that um, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. So this rising opposition to Jesus, a plot has started. They're trying to, to take Jesus out. And we're told that the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. And this was probably the largest of all the Jewish festivals, uh, of the, the main Jewish festivals in the, in the calendar. Uh, this was the one that had the most people stream into Jerusalem. So more than any, any time of year, this is when Jerusalem would be crowded with guests from all over the country. The Feast of Booth, they remembered that God had rescued them from slavery. God had cared for them as they'd wandered around in the desert without a home. And so people made booths or tents that they stayed in and they came to Jerusalem to hear the word of God taught. Uh, they came to Jerusalem to, to worship God. This was a big time. This was a busy time. And Jesus' brothers saw an opportunity uh, Jesus' brothers, they put on their marketing consultant hats. They said, actually, we've got big hopes for Jesus. We think Jesus could really make it. And this is his chance. 
His brother said to him in verse 3, Leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourselves to the world. Jesus' brothers had, had great hopes for Jesus. Like, uh, this is the time if you wanted to be known, if Jesus was going to get a big following, will you do this during the Feast of Booths in Jerusalem? His brothers obviously thought that Jesus was special. Uh, he was, could do amazing works. Jesus could prove himself to be the greatest miracle worker ever. If only he would go to Jerusalem and show the world. Jesus could become a great teacher and crowds would come and follow him. And if he wanted to go big as a teacher, the place to do it was, was now, uh, during the, the Feast of Booths in Jerusalem. His brothers obviously thought that more people should be following Jesus. Everyone should be following Jesus. And the way to get a big following well, that's to we'll gather those people who are eager to serve God in Jerusalem during the Feast of Booths. And this could have been tempting for Jesus, because at the end of chapter 6, we were told that many of Jesus' disciples had turned away. As Jesus had been calling people to himself, actually his numbers were going down. This would be his opportunity to go public, to go big, to gain a great following. Yet while his brothers had a plan that Jesus could become a great teacher or miracle worker or leader, Jesus had a different plan because Jesus works in his own time. It's interesting here that his brothers have great hopes for Jesus. They really lo lo seem to, to love and, and think great things of Jesus. But we're told that not even his brothers believed in him. Many of them would come to believe. Uh, later, yet right now they were positive about Jesus. Jesus had a big place in their plans, but they didn't believe in him. They believed lots of things about Jesus that he was a great miracle worker, that people should be following him, but they didn't believe what was most important. And in John's Gospel, we're told what it is we need to believe. That Jesus, in 2031, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, we can have life in his name. They didn't yet believe him, that their Saviour, their Lord, the Christ, the one who could give them eternal life. Now, that's a bit of a warning, that you can be positive about Jesus, you can be around Jesus, you can grow up with Jesus, yet not believe him. Because to believe him, we need to realise who he is uh, on his terms, in his time. And that's where he says, well, actually, my time has not yet come. Jesus says to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I'm not going up to this feast uh, for my time has not yet fully come. And after saying this, he remained in Galilee. Jesus' brothers said, it's time, let's go. You can become a great leader. But Jesus said, my time has not yet come. And when Jesus talks about his time, it's not just that uh, I'm not going to go to the feast today, my time to go is tomorrow. 
or it's not three o'clock yet when it's cooler and like, <laughs> there's some shade. Now, when Jesus talks about his time having not yet come, Jesus does have a time, a time when he says he will be glorified, a time when the world will look to him. But Jesus' time looks very different to the fame and applause and popularity that his brothers want. Jesus has his own time, and that's because Jesus works on his own terms. We'll see that in verses 10 to 15. Jesus works on his own terms. Uh, Firstly, uh, we see that Jesus does go to the feast, but he does it on his terms. Verse 10, after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went up, not publicly, but in private. Now, what's happening there? Did Jesus just lie? He said, I'm not going to the feast. And then as soon as his brothers go, then he he does go up. Well, what Jesus rejected wasn't the idea that he would ever go up to the feast. What Jesus rejected, what Jesus said no to, was joining in his brother's plans. He wasn't going to go on his brother's terms. He wasn't going to become a celebrity. He wasn't going to gain a great following. He wasn't going, as they said, to be known openly uh, so everyone would see the works he was doing. When he does go, in verse 10, he went up not publicly but in private. Jesus said, I'm not, I will go but on my terms. Uh, and when he goes, well, yeah, he goes not publicly, not to make a spectacle, but he starts in private. And while Jesus comes on his own terms, uh, people are divided over him uh, because he doesn't fit into their expectations. There's so many different opinions of Jesus, so many opinions that people have about who he is. We're told the Jews are looking for him during the feast. And that's probably because we've already heard they're seeking to kill him. They've got plans. They know what God's people need. And Jesus is a threat to what they think God should be doing. Uh, they know what will help uh, God, God's purposes to be fulfilled in the world. And they think Jesus is a threat, so he must go. Other people are saying Jesus is a good man. They've probably got uh, plans, hopes for how God will work, for how God will rescue his people. And they think this guy Jesus is going to help. He, he seems to be good. Where others have other hopes and plans for God's people. And said, no, Jesus is raising too much attention. Or Jesus doesn't seem to be the powerful military leader we need. They say Jesus is leading the people astray. Other people think maybe we need teaching, we need better teachers. But Jesus doesn't fit into their box of what it looks like to be a great Bible teacher either. When they hear him teach, they say, where did he get this teaching uh, he, he didn't go to a good school. Jesus doesn't fit into anyone's plans. Jesus doesn't fit into anyone's expectations because he's not come on our terms. He's come on his own terms. And what's interesting in this section is that while many people seem to have positive views about Jesus, some really are convinced he's a good man, they're not willing to suffer for him. Uh, it says that they don't speak of him, even though they think he's a good man. They don't speak up for fear of the Jews. 
And that's because if Jesus is only joining you in your plans, if Jesus is helping you to accomplish your plans, then you'll never be willing to suffer for him. It can be helpful if Jesus comes along and helps you in kind of creating your happy, healthy life. If Jesus comes and helps you in achieving kind of your picture of ministry success. If Jesus helps you kind of achieve whatever it is you're working towards, then that's great. But if Jesus seems to come between you and your goals, at that point, we'll let Jesus go. We need to be careful here. Uh, that we, we don't sort of take Jesus just on, on our terms, uh, seeing him as a part of our plans, him as a tool to further our ambition. Because if we do that, actually we're following Jesus, we'll lose all its power. He, he, won't, have, he won't change us, he'll just confirm us in who we already are. But if we see who Jesus really is, we see that Jesus has his own purpose, his own plan, that's what has power to change us. And that's the thing we have the privilege of joining. If you just pick and choose the parts of Jesus that you like. I like this teaching, but not that teaching. I, I like what he says about sort of power, but I don't like what he says about suffering and forgiveness. Well, we won't endure suffering. When things get hard, we'll turn from Jesus. But here we see that as Jesus works on his own terms, Jesus has come for something really good. Jesus does have a great plan. Uh, Jesus has his own purpose. And that purpose is to seek the glory of the Father. Jesus has come to do the will of his Father, to seek his Father's glory. And that's for our good uh, and our salvation. Uh, we see here that uh, while the people have great expectations for a teacher, Jesus says, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. Jesus says, if you want to understand me, don't put me in the teacher box or the leader box. I've, whatever teaching I do, I'm just, doing, I'm just teaching uh, what has come from him who sent me. Jesus says, to understand me, you need to look to my Father, because I have come to do the will of the Father. In verse 18, Jesus says, the one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. Jesus says he has a purpose, he has a plan. His story is about doing the will of the Father, living for him. And that's why he won't get on board with his brother's plans. That's why he won't fit to the crowd's expectations. And that's why so many will reject him. Jesus has a purpose, and that's to live for his Father. And what does that look like? Well, it's not to grow in popularity. It's not to become the world-famous teacher or healer. The purpose that Jesus has from his Father Jesus doing his Father's will means that he is living a life of suffering, a life of rejection, a life that will lead him to the cross. And it's in this part of John's Gospel that the shadow of the cross starts to become clearer and clearer. We were told in verse 1 that the Jews were seeking to kill him already. 
Jesus brings up several times, saying, why are you trying to kill me? Uh, in, this, in this passage, when Jesus leaves Galilee to go to Jerusalem, his brother's saying, hey, let's leave Galilee, let's go up to Jerusalem and get popular. When Jesus says, this is not my time, well, there's another reason for that. Because this is the last time Jesus will ever leave Galilee. Uh, as Jesus does leave Galilee to go to Jerusalem, to go to the feast, that will be the last time he ever sees kind of his hometown. That will be the last time he ever walks those streets, sees those hills. Jesus is setting his face towards Jerusalem. Jesus is walking towards the cross because to do his Father's will, well, it's to be obedient even to death on a cross. We'll see this throughout uh, John's Gospel. Jesus, Jesus' life, Jesus' food is to do the will of him who sent him. Jesus has a great plan, a great purpose. His story is about doing the will of the Father. And when you see Jesus' will, that exposes some of our smaller stories, some of our smaller stories that seem to be about serving God. Here we see some people, the Jewish leaders, whose life was all about obeying the law. They seemed to be on God's side. They wanted to obey the law. But Jesus questioned that. Uh, these verses can be a bit confusing. Uh, but here I think Jesus is comparing the, the Jewish leaders to himself to ask, who's really doing the will of God? Who's really obeying the law? He asked them in verse 19, has not Moses given you the law? Yet none of you keeps it. None of you keeps the law. They, in the name of keeping the law, are seeking to kill Jesus. What can be more against God's law than even if you're zealous for God, trying to take someone's life? Uh, he continues, uh, I did one work and you all marvel at it. Moses gave you circumcision, not that it's from Moses, but from the fathers, and you circumcised a man on the Sabbath. If on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because on the Sabbath I made a, whole man's, a, whole, a man's whole body well? What Jesus is saying there is saying, who is really obeying God's law? Who's really obeying God's word? Jesus got in trouble because he healed a man on the Sabbath. Sabbath was meant to be a day of rest. And when Jesus went to a man and told him who had never walked, hadn't walked in decades, told him to stand up, well, actually, Jesus gave this man life. They said, you can't do that. You're working on the Sabbath. Jesus points to them and say, actually, well, you work on the Sabbath too. Uh, even if it's the Sabbath, the day of rest, you'll circumcise a, a young boy uh, you'll, to, to kind of keep God's word. Jesus is trying to expose them to say, you say your life is all about obeying God. but Actually, you're taking life. You're trying to kill me. You say your, your life is all about serving God, obeying the law. Uh, but actually where you sort of will cut off a piece of a man on, on the Sabbath, I will make a man's body whole. I, you take life. I give it. And that exposes their life, their story, that we are those who obey the law. 
And this can get uncomfortable because we can have lots of stories that seem to involve Jesus. We want to make a big difference for Jesus. We want a big successful ministry. We want lots of people to come and hear about Jesus. But sometimes we'll, we'll start to realise that we're less interested about actually what people think about Jesus and it's more what people think about us. We can, we can say that we, we want a family that will sort of honours Jesus. We want a happy family that shows the love of Christ. Yet when Jesus seems to actually get in the way of our family being happy or our family being healthy or having all the opportunities... We can actually seek our ambition rather than what Jesus calls us to, a life of sacrifice and service and love of others. Jesus has his plan. Jesus has a better story, doing the will of the Father. And this is for our good. Uh, This is for our good because if our lives depended on our little stories then in the end, well, actually our lives um, won't be good for us. Because, like, it's one thing to try to, uh, try to kind of achieve great things. But the most important thing about our life, our story, is how it stacks up before God. Uh, will God say to us, well done, good and faithful servant? Will we be justified? Will, be accept- will we be accepted by God or not? The great thing about Jesus' story is that Jesus lived his story so that he could change ours, so that he could invite us in. Jesus the one who lived perfectly like we couldn't, obeying the Father, doing the will of the Father. He's the one who deserved life in the presence of the Father. Yet Jesus came and entered into each of our stories because each of our stories deserved death. Uh, We don't deserve life. We deserve judgment. But Jesus entered into our story. He took our death. He took our condemnation so that we could join his story and know the life that he enjoys in the presence of the Father. That's the first thing that should free us. should free us from making life about our story of what we can achieve. We don't look to what we can do. We look to what Jesus has done, to his perfect story that he has invited us into. We don't need to present to God a righteousness, a life, a record of our own obedience and faithfulness because Jesus lived that life and he gives it to us. Jesus lived his story. Uh, so that we could enter into his, we could know the Father, we could have forgiveness. And finally, Jesus then calls us into his story. He says we we can be a part of it. Uh, Jesus is calling us to judge rightly, uh, to, to judge ourselves, to judge him rightly. Do you see Jesus as he really is? Is he just a piece sort of in the puzzle of your life? Or actually are you a piece in his great, beautiful puzzle of history? You're part of what he is doing. Jesus says in verse 17, If anyone's will is to do God's will, he'll know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. I think he means there that if you want to understand who Jesus really is, will seek to do his will. 
As long as you're just trying to fit Jesus into your plans and doing your will, he'll never make sense. He will never quite fit. But if you will say, no, I, I want to be with Jesus. I want to be a part of what he is doing. I want to submit my life to God's will. Then Jesus will make perfect sense. Because he is the way that we get in. Uh, he is our righteousness. He is our obedience. He is our, our everything. And then he is also the one who we continue to live for. As long as you try to fit Jesus into your story, he won't make sense. But he invites you to join him. And this could be hard. It can be hard if we're, we've been sort of working in our life, thinking, well, life is about just building a, building a better life, about things getting better, uh, me having more or being more secure. It's hard because Jesus says, well, take up your cross and follow me. But while this is hard, this is good because Jesus gives us the perfect life, the perfect relationship with the Father that we need. And now in freedom, we can join him in what he is doing. Many of us sort of are in Dubai for, for a reason. Uh, many people, uh, their life in Dubai is a step on the way somewhere, a step towards a more secure future, a step towards uh, getting somewhere, a step towards uh, a comfortable retirement back home. Yet when we see our lives as a part of Jesus' great story, we can see, well, lots of those things are good things. Comfort, security, like they're, they're good things. They're not why God has us here. God has us here to be a part of his purposes. God is reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. God is forgiving sins. God is building his church. God is giving people joy and freedom and hope in Christ. And he calls us to be a part of that. Right now, I think we're, we're re rebuilding lots of our lives. Now we've got freedom to sort of go out again, uh, to go and visit people and visit places. Uh, after sort of a year sort of stuck at home, many of us are starting to go out, rebuild kind of our lives. So what are we rebuilding them around? Are we going to just keep heading where we want to head, building our future, our plan, our dream, and fit Jesus in sort of somewhere, a Zoom call one night or a an event another time? Or will we see all of our life, our work, our friendships, our family as a part of God's great purposes? That can be hard because Jesus' purposes often include suffering. They include self-sacrificial love. They involve dying to ourselves, yet Jesus' way is the way of life. Jesus' way is the way that has won us eternal life. And Jesus' way is the way of joy that will not fail. Jesus invites you into his story. So do you believe in him as your suffering saviour? And will you join him in his great purposes for our world? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we have so many hopes, uh, so many plans. It can feel hard. We can put, we've put days, weeks, years into them. 
It help us to believe that a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Help us to really long to, to rather be a doorkeeper in the house of you, our God, than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Help us to believe, Father, that our Lord God is a sun and shield, that you, Lord, bestow favour and honour. No good thing do you withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord, our God, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Help us to believe that. Help us to live that. Help us to see Jesus rightly and to gladly submit to who he, he is, to gladly step into his purposes. It's in his great and good name that we pray. Amen.